Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, we're going to finish up this portion of Scripture. Amen. Well, I trust you're excited about what the Lord's doing. We've had some good things happening with our new member class, and then now again with our uh, shoe boxes, we're getting ready to get those finished up. We have three weeks left, so don't remember, don't forget. Uh, the first Sunday of November is our uh, cutoff, our date to turn those in. It's the last opportunity that we'll have, and so we want to get these done and pray over those and get them sent out, so God can use those in the lives of boys and girls around the world. All right, Luke 16, if you found your place, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. We'll begin in verse 19, just after prayer. We'll read the rest of the chapter, and uh, we'll, we'll give the last message in this series. Let's pray together as we begin. Father, how we love you today, how we thank you for your goodness to us. And we pray today you'd meet with us, Lord, through your Word. We just ask that you'd be our teacher and guide, your Holy Spirit. We pray you'll touch our hearts. We pray that you'll just help us these few moments to focus on your word and what it says, to help us as we apply these things to our life that we might learn and grow because of what we hear today. I pray you'd just show us what you'd have us do as we learn and, and as we are challenged by your word. Lord, help us in our hearts to be ready to receive what you have for us and to say yes to the Lord Jesus and to the will of God in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 16, verse 19, And there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell by the, from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes and being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted. And thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And so today I want to look at the rich man. And I want us to hear the rich man's plea. This morning. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Well, we already talked about the fact that this is a true story, not just a parable. If it were a parable, 
it would be a, a story illustrating spiritual truth. And what would that truth be? Obviously, that, that there is a hell. But this isn't just a parable. This is a real story because the Lord names a real person here that he never does in parables. Lazarus here was a real person. The rich man also being a real person, yet God leaves his name out. And so there are some reasons for that. We um, looked at each part of this, how that hell is real, the reality of hell. And we looked at, at the testimony of Abraham. We looked at Lazarus, the truth about Lazarus and why he went to heaven, not just because he was poor, but because obviously he was prepared for eternity. And obviously he was what we would consider to be a saved man who had put his faith in the Lord. Then we looked at the rich man, of course. We see his destiny, and now we want to hear the rich man's plea as he cries out to Father Abraham. Notice, the Bible says that this rich man, notice in verse 23, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. We're seeing some things about this rich man here that, that are informative to us. And by the way, this whole passage of Scripture is something that you and I would call revelation. Now, we typically think of the book of Revelation when we, when we bring up that topic or that word. But the truth is, the Bible is full of revelation. Revelation is truth that's been revealed by God. Things that we would not otherwise know. Genesis chapter 1 is revelation. God revealed to us how uh, the origin of everything, how, how the world came into being. Talking about the creation story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. These are things that you and I, we would not otherwise know this. But God revealed them to us. God tells us what happened in the beginning. In the beginning, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So God reveals the truth about who He is and what He's done and how that He created mankind. The Bible says here, God is revealing to us some things that we wouldn't otherwise know about what happens when you die without Jesus Christ. When you go into eternity unprepared, we talked about how the rich man was unprepared for eternity. He didn't make preparations. He didn't take time for spiritual things. He had all of the, 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 the monetary things, that, that the material things that this world has to offer. But spiritually speaking, he was not rich spiritually. He would have been a poor man if we were looking at things on God's economy. He went into eternity that way. He died without the Lord, and the Bible says in hell he lift up his eyes. Well, I wonder what people in hell are talking about. <laughs> Wishing they could. You know, people, people jokingly, mockingly say they're going to go to hell and party with all their friends. But every account of hell that you find in the Bible, there's no partying going on. This man's not having a party. This man does not have partying on his mind. Yet what you find here is, is you find what we would consider to be a believer. All of a sudden, he believes in hell. The Bible says, and it came to pass, the beggar died and was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes. 
All of a sudden now, he's a believer. This man believes in hell like never before. But it's too late. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? There are people in this world with the same idea. Yeah, well, when I, get, when I die and I stand before God, then I'll know. That's too late then. It's too late. This man believed in hell because he woke up in hell, the Bible says. In hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Think about it. He believed in hell. This is the rich man. But it was too late for that. There are others in this world who, who are thinking and operating on the same basis. And if they're ever going to be, if their perspective is ever going to be changed, it's going to be changed by people like you and me that tell the truth to them, that, that are ambassadors for Christ, that, that, that give them enough information that cause them to reconsider. That's exactly what they need. I believe that's what Lazarus was trying to do for this man. I believe that's one of the reasons Lazarus, he knew Lazarus so well. I, I think it's one of the reasons he asked for Lazarus. And yet Lazarus was not allowed to come. This man woke up in hell. It's obvious. He said, I'm in torment in this flame. This man was in literal torments while he was there. So this was not a temporary place where sins were being purged so that he could be transferred later into heaven. This is a, this is a place of punishment. This was a place of torment. He was feeling these flames and this torment in hell. So much so, the Bible says in verse 23, And in hell he lift up his eyes, and being in torment, seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Look at verse 24. And he cried and said, Father Abraham! Think about that. Can you hear this man crying out? Wouldn't it have been good 24 hours ago if he could have cried out? Even if it was his last breath on earth, if he could have cried out then, it would have been so much better. If he had just said before he died, have mercy on me. But he didn't. So what he found, after he woke up in hell, after he felt the torments of the fires of hell, he found out in verse 26 that this was eternal. No wonder the warnings. No wonder, no wonder the, pro the proclamation of truth. No, no wonder people are preaching Jesus Christ. No, no wonder there's a church on every corner. No wonder people are praying and, and, and asking God to save their family and their friends and their co-workers. No wonder. Hey, guess what? This place is real. He found out a little too late. It's eternal. Abraham said in verse 26, Beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Yeah, they'd get out if they could. But they can't. It's all fixed. It's too late now. We see the rich man. He believed in hell, but it was too late. Not only that, he begged for mercy. But it was too late. As we said a moment ago, he cried, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. There's still a problem with his plea. He's not asking mercy for his sinful condition. He's asking mercy for his torment. And he's saying to Father Abraham, just send Lazarus. 
to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. This is a plea for mercy he should have asked in his lifetime. But you know what he's asking here? He's not asking for forgiveness of sins. He's not asking, he's not confessing that he needs salvation in Jesus Christ. What is he asking for? Temporary relief of the torment that he's in. Think about it. He said, have Lazarus dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. What does that translate into? It translates into this. He is asking for less than a drop of water. Wow. Less than a drop of water. The moisture that would remain on Lazarus' fingertip. That's all he was asking for. Do you know how desperate, do you know how painful he had to be in to make a request like that? But it was too late. It was misinformed. It was past the deadline. And his request was denied. So we see this rich man, he believed in hell all of a sudden. He begged for mercy a little too late. Well, when all else fails, what did he do? Notice with me. He said, well, if Lazarus can't come to me and I can't leave this place, if there's no water to be given, he said, I have one plea. Verse 28, verse 27. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Oh, think about it. What is he doing? He's now bargaining for others. He's bargaining for the lives, for the souls of his brothers. I have five brothers. He thought of his father's house. I want you to imagine for a moment, people in hell doing the same thing today. They're bargaining for others. They're thinking about their father's house. They're thinking about their relatives. They're thinking about somebody. I wonder who they're asking for to be saved. I wonder who they're asking for to get the gospel message. This man said, send Lazarus. He said, I have five brothers. I wonder if there's people today saying, I have cousins, I have uncles, I have sisters. Maybe instead of Lazarus, maybe they're calling out your name. Send him! Send her! Lest they also come into this place of torment. You ever thought about that? That maybe, could it be someone in hell would be praying for you to go to their father's house? To go to their relatives? To give the message of salvation before it's everlasting too late. Abraham said, son, they have Moses and the prophets. That was a reference to the Old Testament. Moses, the first five books of the Bible, and then the prophets later. The major and the minor prophets of Scripture. So he is basically saying, they have the Bible. They have the Word of God. There are preachers that are testifying all around. And he said, no, no, no. But if somebody went back from the dead, they would believe. They would repent. And Abraham said, no. If they won't believe this book right here, 
If they won't listen to those that proclaim the name of Jesus, now they won't be persuaded. Even though one rose from the dead. I don't know about you, but as a young Christian, the first time I ever read that story, I thought, I don't know, Abraham. That's pretty powerful. And then it just seemed like the Holy Spirit whispered, but what about Jesus? He rose from the dead. And how many still don't believe? Wow, Abraham was right, wasn't he? If they don't believe the Bible, they wouldn't be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Jesus gave the message of salvation. He rose from the dead. He he made a way possible for all of us to miss this place. We We find the rich man now bargaining for others. You know, he had a successful idea. His idea was, send Lazarus, this man who, who, who has had a personal experience, right? And he thought resurrection would complete that. If he came back from the dead, you know, let, let's send this man who's experienced the transforming power of God. Let's send him to somebody who needs to hear the message before it's too late. Yeah, we call it soul winning, don't we? We call it witnessing. It does work. It does get the message out, but that's a job for you and I. That's not, that's not a job for Lazarus. So he wished to warn his brothers. He wanted them to hear the truth and the story. Obviously, he loved them. He thought of them even though he was in hell. He's thinking of them. He said, lest they also come to this place of torment. I wonder how many today are pleading for somebody. I wonder how many today are thinking of others, thinking of their family, friends, relatives, co-workers even. I wonder if, if, if some of our names aren't being called out. Send him, send her. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe you could be the instrument God would use to keep somebody out of this place by just telling them the truth, by just telling them what Jesus did for you. You know, sometimes we get so nervous talking to people about God. We get so nervous talking to people about church. We, we think, well, preacher, I, I, I don't want to mess it all up. You know, I, I, I might forget a verse or, or I might misquote it. Hey, look, if you understand what the Bible says, in John three eighteen, it tells us that those without Christ are condemned already. Listen, you can't mess it up. Any truth you give them that can help them, is a plus. Because they're already on their way to hell. And if you do nothing, they're sure to go there. So any help you give is a benefit. It's a positive. It's a plus. Anything you say that might cause them to reconsider and think more about Jesus and understand why they need Him would only help them in their journey. Who knows Maybe your word, maybe your testimony, maybe that verse you share, maybe sharing your own salvation experience might be just the thing they need to help them realize that they too need Jesus. Isn't that something? What a joy and what a privilege it is to be present when when someone realizes that they need Christ and they decide, they choose to accept Him as their Savior. What a, what a joy that is. If you've ever had the privilege of leading someone to Christ that way, 
Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Hey, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like being able to share Christ with someone and inviting them to accept him and having them do that. What a blessing. You know, there's a lot of joyful experiences in the Christian life. I don't know if any of them really top that right there. Bringing someone with you. I wonder when, when you get to heaven, I wonder how many you're going to bring with you. Amen. I think that's going to be one of the joys of heaven, just seeing who all's there. Seeing who all makes it. Right? If you died today, would you go to heaven? Hey, if you don't know that for sure, don't be like the rich man. Let's get that taken care of. Let us take the Bible today and we'll show you how you can know. If you know you're going to heaven today, then that's great. Look around. Who can you take with you? Hey, that's why we're doing shoeboxes. It's not just about sending toys. It's about giving the gift of salvation. It's about creating an opportunity in another location around the world, creating an opportunity where boys and girls can come. They're going to come for the gift. But because of the gift, we're going to have an opportunity to to tell the story of Jesus to them. And they're going to get an opportunity to be saved. And and I like this organization because they they don't just tell the kids about Jesus and then release them. They follow up. And those who accept Christ, they get enrolled in a discipleship program and they get taught. And it makes a difference in their lives. And the videos we've seen so far, we've seen videos of people that, that it has helped. And later on in their life, they're looking back and they're saying, hey, my Christian journey, it all started back when someone sent a shoebox. And I came and heard the story of Jesus for the first time. And it changed my life forever. Right? And what a blessing that is. Hey, this is a way right here. This is a way that we can reach some of those five brethren. That might be kids. How about it? Are you in? That's why we support missions all along the back wall. Names of missionary families that are preaching the, the word of God all around the world. Not just on Sunday. Why do we do that? We're doing that because we hear the plea of the rich man. He's saying, send him to my father's house. I have five brethren. And we're doing our best. To reach out to those brethren. To reach out to the people who need to hear the message most so that they have a chance to be saved. Oh, listen, that's, the, that's one of the greatest things we can do. In our new member class, we were talking about as a church family. You know, we have, we have many purposes, but we have basically five priorities. And one of those is to witness to the lost. It's to win the world to Christ. That's our mission, to win souls. Now, we know we're not the true soul winner. The Holy Spirit does that. But He does work through our vessel. He, he does work through the extension of, of us and our, our witness and our programs and the way we give and the way we send the gospel around the world. The Holy Spirit uses that to transform lives and to draw people to Christ. And what a blessing. I wonder when we get to heaven one day, I wonder how many will come up and say, hey, remember them shoeboxes? You know, because we send these out. We're going to have prayer over these. We're going to send them out in a couple of weeks. We have no idea. I, I don't know. I don't know. Boy, this one's heavy. I don't know where this shoebox is going to go. You know what I mean? I don't know what little kid is going to get this one. Let's see. 
Okay, I know it's going to be a boy. I know that because the tag inside says boy. (laughs) All right. So this is going to be a boy. This shoebox is going to a boy somewhere. Wouldn't it be awesome to to meet a man in heaven and him to say, you know, I'm here because you gave one of those boxes and a missionary brought it to our village. And I came that day, and I received the shoebox, and I heard about Jesus. Oh, man, wouldn't that be good? I mean, because, you know, Samaritan's purse is not going to call us in a month and say, let me just tell you who got your box. I'm going to send you a picture of Jose. They're not going to do that. There's too many boxes for them to keep up with each one. There's no way to know who's going to get this one, who's going to get yours. So, isn't it going to be great? I think that's one of the mysteries of heaven finding out who's there and how they got there. Hey, they gave because, like that song said, thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm a life that was changed. I don't know about you, but I want to meet some people in heaven that say, hey, thank you, I'm here because of you. I'm here because of you gave. I'm here because you gave to that missionary. I'm here because you filled up a shoebox. I'm here because uh, all around town you left these little gospel tracts, and I read it and got saved. Oh, listen. Hey, one, one of the joys, you know, you know, there's a promise in the Bible. God said, my word shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. And so we know that when, when, we, when we put forth the labor of planting the seeds of the gospel in, in the many different ways which we do it, we know that God is always going to come through, and people are going to be saved as a result. We just don't know who they are, at least not yet. but one day we're going to know. When John wrote the book of Revelation, he saw the gathering in heaven. And he said, I looked around, and he said it was like a, he said it was like a sea for a multitude of people. Wow. Can you imagine that? The people that are going to be in heaven. And some of them are going to be there because of what you did. That's what he's talking about. He said, send Lazarus. The rich man's plea was a bargain for others. I want us to understand today that there are others who are dependent on what we do. They'll never hear the gospel if we don't tell it, if we don't send it, if we don't, if we don't distribute, if we don't give. They'll, they, they'll never, if we don't do our part, they'll never hear the story of Jesus. They'll never have the opportunity to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Think about that. It's so important. I believe Lazarus did his part. I think in this story, probably the rich man didn't listen like he should have. When he woke up in hell, he realized that. And so he, he knew, he asked for Lazarus because he knew he was dependable. And he said, send him to my father's house. Hey, can God... Depend on you? Can God depend on you to get the gospel to people that you may come into contact with? Does God know, hey, if I had, if I had somebody cross their path, they would get the gospel? Does God know that you're going to give this out somewhere? Can God count on you 
to fill up a shoebox, to support a missionary, to invite folks to church, to give your testimony, tell how you got saved. If God can depend on you to do those things, you know what he's going to do? He's going to work and he's going to send people into your path, into your life, that have op- so they'll have opportunity to hear and, and receive. And you know, one day, like the songwriter said, one day it'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. And the problems and toils of this life will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his face, all sorrow will erase. Right? So, hey, let's run our race till we see Christ. I don't know what God has for you. I don't, I don't know what the Lord is impressing on your heart. But I know this. Life is short. And eternity is long. And the results are final. And that's what the rich man was realizing. The results are final. And now he's in a place of torment. He'll never leave. And he's thinking, oh no. Oh no, not here. I don't want my family to come here. So if you're here today and you know Jesus Christ, somebody said everyone with Christ is a missionary. (laughs) That's pretty good. But everyone without Christ is a mission field. My, how we need to take the gospel to them before it's everlasting too late. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me invite you to come and let us take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure so that you don't end up like the rich man, wake up with a surprise one day, end up in hell realizing this is a real place when all along God in His Word tried to warn us. Let's do our part so that people know how to be saved. The rich man's plea. Do you hear it this morning? Let's bow for prayer. Father, how we love you today. How we thank you for your goodness to us. And at this time, Lord, we just want to be attentive to your will. We just ask you to show us what you'd have us do. Maybe for some of us, maybe we need to hand out that gospel track. Maybe for some of us, we need to fill up a shoebox or support a missionary. Lord, maybe some of us need to go to somebody we know and love. Maybe, maybe we need to have a conversation with them. Maybe there are people we need to invite to church. Lord, whatever the case may be. Lord, you, you just show us what we need to do and help us do it. If there's anyone here today that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, if they're not sure heaven is their home, Lord, let them help us. Let them come forward. Let, them, let us help them so that they can be sure. Lord, how we love you today. And because we love people, Lord, we want to be useful and we want to be instrumental in helping people come to know Christ before it's ever too late. So we ask you now to help us do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.